You get delivered right now. You can get the Holy Ghost right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. Telling you, telling you, telling you. All is just there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the abundance of all things. Glory and your grace. My goodness. My goodness. I would trade this for anything. I wouldn't trade this for anything. Well, it's great to see everybody tonight. And uh, it's great to see friends and visitors and we hope that you feel his presence because that's really what makes the difference. And um, to, come, to come to a church that uh, believes strongly in the biblical precedent of separation and not feel God's presence is so baffling to our world. You have to understand the perception that people have when they come into a, an audience like this. And... Um, Oftentimes, we can, we can just assume that people understand what we're doing and everything's going to be fine. I'm going to tell you, our visitors, and this is by no measure um, a judgment against them at all. They come and they don't, they don't have a clue what's going on. However, the human spirit is designed by God to feel. And God is in... This is what makes Cornerstone unique and many other churches across the land is that, is that when God's presence come in, it starts filling in all the blank spots. And slowly but surely it starts dawning on people that there is a God and he is in this place. Let's love him again. That is the equation for revival. You've got to have the glory. You've got to have the presence. Praise God. Praise God. It's great to see everybody. It's great to see everybody on a Wednesday night. I do that because Brother David can take it. I appreciate him very much. In Jesus' name. Good to see everybody. I'm just loving God. I'm just loving God and loving God's people and loving the things of God tonight. Praise God. I'd like to direct your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter number 24. You're not going to want to miss this Sunday. Listen, we're going to have a huge taco feed. Um, and there's some people, listen, there's people that say, oh, yeah, I know how to cook Mexican food. And you would have been better off going to Taco Bell. But there's some people in this church that know there's, there is a man in this church that makes salsa that is the equivalent of rocket fuel. And um, when I go home and nobody's looking, I unwind the jar and I just go like this. And smoke starts coming out of my ears. And uh, listen, be inviting people out to service on Sunday. And uh, we'll have a great time. We'll have a great time in the Holy Ghost. Thank God for these that were baptized on Sunday. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you. Hey, man, we're excited about what God's doing and uh, to be right in the, in the big middle of it together in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter number 24, and then we're going to go to the book of Luke chapter number 17. Just a couple verses here in Matthew 24. We're going to start reading verse number 8. If you've got to say amen. Okay. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. It's hard to believe that people that have the love of God would actually be hated. But that's, that is where our world is going. Amen. It's, it's rapidly, rapidly, rapidly changing. I'm not trying to uh, scare anybody unduly, but this is the word of the Lord here tonight. The Bible says, and then shall, I'm sorry, verse number nine, then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Okay? And then shall many be offended. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And then going to the book of Luke, chapter number 17. And we're going to start reading verse number 1. Then said Jesus unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight about a time of offense, a time of offense. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We need you tonight. We feel your presence. We feel the exhilaration of joy and all the wonderful things that are brought to us in the Holy Ghost. Father, we pray for understanding tonight, individually and corporately, as the body of Christ tonight. We need you. We need you. We need you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Brother Davies, welcome home tonight. Is Yes. I assume you came home with Sister Davies. Tell her we said hello. What's his name? They were on a cruise. And uh, I've been on a few cruises. And I like dry land a little bit better, I think. Praise God. This verse that I read in your hearing tonight in Matthew 24 is part of um, a particular passage of Scripture that theologically has a term for 
in fact, probably the entire chapter of Matthew 24. Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21 are all part of the same dialogue that it starts out with a dialogue and then Jesus begins to talk about end time events. Theologically, it's called eschatology, the doctrine of future events or the doctrine of prophecy. And in Matthew chapter number 24, by far out of the three, it's one of the harmonies of the gospel. There's more than a few harmonies of the gospel where both Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and sometimes just a combination of two, record the same um, teaching, the same discourse, the same conversation, the same event. That's called the harmony of the gospel. And this is one of the most notable because, let's go to verse number one of Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus went out, departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things? Now Jesus is talking about the buildings of the temple. And there was more than one building associated with the temple. There were architecture all around. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Okay? And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when these, shall, these things shall be, talking about verse number th uh, 2, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. So these three questions Jesus systematically answers throughout the remainder of this chapter. And then Matthew chapter number 25, just, it just flows right into it with three different judgment scenarios that will take place at the end of the world. And so Jesus begins uh, this in verse number 4. He answered, he said, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, so on and so forth. In, in this process of, of moving this time sequence along, he says in verse number, verse number 7, does this not... Does not this almost fit our day and our hour? For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. There's always wars and rumors of war that are rumbling right now. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that uh, we could have a potential conflict with Iran. I doubt uh, it'll really materialize. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I've been wrong many times. I am not a person that places my strength in eschatology or end time events. I'm just, I want to focus on winning souls. I'm going to focus on building the church. I want to let, I'm just, I just want to be right. I want to stay right. And somebody said, praise the Lord. However, in verse number eight, he says, these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake, and then shall many be offended. Right in this, this fulfillment that is found in many places in the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament alike, there is a time where there is incredible, inflated, hyperinflated offendedness. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a current events freak. 
However, I do uh, look at the headlines uh, on my computer. I have a uh, Fox News, and I look at it and then move on. I don't, I don't park there for very long. But I am noticing that more people are getting caught doing things. This Me Too movement is catching people and calling people on the carpet. And the standard operating response for our world is it seems like everybody is coming to apologize. Uh, they're giving apologies. I, I've even seen people that were telling the truth. But because there was a public outcry against them for telling the truth, that they apologized. They apologized for telling the truth. It's, it's like we're caught up with a spirit in our culture of, of catching people, putting them on the spot, and people have a standard way out, and that is just to apologize. I believe that this is the threshold, at least in part, of what the Bible is saying about that there is going to be a time of hyperinflated offendedness where people get offended and shall betray one another. There's a scripture that we will look at here in just several moments that even among family members, uh, the core of all culture and the foundation of all culture is the human family. And the human family is not, is not protected from the spirit that is moving into our world uh, where it's betrayal against parents and children against their brothers and sisters and siblings. And it's a horrible thing. It's a hideous thing in which sin and the power of darkness is breaking down our culture and breaking it down to where a spirit of hatred uh, is ruling and reigning. And then in Luke chapter 17, if, you'd, uh, if you're not there, please turn back there because Jesus is not talking to the world here. Jesus is talking to the church. And he's saying it is impossible that offenses will come. There will always be Offenses. But woe unto him through whom they come. It would be better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and be cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Now, I personally do not believe that Jesus is necessarily talking about children here. I believe he is talking about the children of God our brothers and sisters. However, there is a way out from this stern warning. And in verse number three, it says, take heed to yourselves. This is not the perpetrator now. This is the person doing the forgiving. Are y'all on board with me? This is not the person that did the offense. This is the person doing the forgiving. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. When is the last time you heard somebody doing that? No, the standard operating way is to go tell a bunch of people what they did. Or you can get quiet all you want to. I'm... I'm I'm right where God wants me, and you're right where God wants you, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be enriched through this and helped through this together. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, "I repent," thou shalt forgive him. 
There is no excuse not to forgive. To not forgive is to disassociate yourself from God, the gospel, the church, the influence of the Holy Ghost, and the supremacy of the Word of God in your life. I want to let this sink in a little bit for you. Not that I think, I'm, I'm not thinking of one problem in this church. And trust me, through the last 25 years, I've dealt with many chapters and many scenarios and many individuals. And I'm not thinking of one deal for you. But God is because God sent me here tonight to talk to you. Our entire world is moving into a time of offense. So is the church. The chiefest of all the apostles made this statement in Acts 24 and verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul. Watch this closely. That's Acts 24 and 16. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and toward men. There's many responsibilities that the apostle had because he instructs, instructs us through the entire New Testament, through the writings of the Apostle Paul. But this is one thing that the Apostle Paul did subjectively. This is what he did for himself. Could you put that back up there, please? All right, we're going to take a coffee break. Oh, there we go. No, I need verse 16, please. Okay, coffee break's over. And herein do I exercise myself. This is what I do for myself. I hold myself to this standard. That I will always have a conscience that is void of offense. Towards God and towards men. I want to tell you that that will take everything you've got. That will take all of your prayers. That will take all of your disciplines. That will take everything, all of your desire to maintain that right there. But it's worth it. Let's lift our hands and praise him. God helps us. This is how we develop integrity. Integrity is the outcome or the evidence or the result of walking according to principle consistently with a pure conscience. This is how character is built. Is that our principles that we hold ourselves to, we live according to. The result of it is that we build character. It's not okay to walk around with unresolved offenses. 
only one you're hurting is you, and beyond that, you're hurting the body. And God is not pleased with unresolved offenses. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Okay, now, whereas the Apostle Paul says, this one thing I do, this is one discipline that I'm holding myself to. Listen to what James, many believe to be the brother of Jesus, pastor at Jerusalem, and James said, James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall all receive the greater, that word condemnation there really means judgment. Next verse, for in many things we offend all. So the Apostle Paul is, the Apostle Paul is not saying I'm perfect because I'm holding myself to this personal exercise, but he's saying that this is something that I am reaching for. But then the pastor at the thunderous church at Jerusalem said, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. That should be a goal for each and every one of us. That I do not want to offend anybody. And if you can live that way consistently, James says that you are a perfect man. So perfection is not being able to walk on water. Perfection is the ability to not offend. I don't offend God. I don't offend my husband. I don't offend my wife. I don't offend my brethren. I don't offend the pastor. And I'm grinning. Because in many things I offend all. Seems like every time I open my mouth. But sometimes I'm not the one with the problem. So it's a good time to take a drink of water. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes I know that I have offended people. And if you've been around me, me personally, I'm not do, saying this because I'm such a great guy. I'm just trying to finish the paragraph correctly that I'm quick to forgive. Because I follow Luke chapter 17. I don't want a bunch of stuff that's, 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 that doesn't have an exclamation point. I don't want to walk into the house of God and have a lot of stuff simmering. I don't want to walk into the prayer room and thinking God's not even going to hear my prayer because I haven't gone and taken care of a bunch of deals. You want to go higher in God, you want to be blessed of God, don't be offensive or go and apologize while you can. Clap your hands and give him praise. In fact, go and apologize before you even go to the prayer room. You got it backwards. fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, being offended is a fact of life. You live, you don't even have to be in the church. In fact, our whole world is offended. 
They're offended by the, the by they're offended by God's word. They're offended by the existence of church. They're offended by rules and regulations. They want to be without rules, without regulations. Just whatever I want to do, let me do it. Don't judge. I was in um, I was in a restaurant last week, and um, I went to use the restroom, and I saw that there was an open Bible on the counter. And the waitress was used to reading the Bible. And she came over and took my order with a Black Sabbath t-shirt on. Okay, well, Black Sabbath is the opposite of the open Bible that's on the counter. And we started making small talk. I was trying to witness to her, but I was taking the long way around. Um, I've been doing this a while. Sometimes if you come directly at people, you're not going to get anywhere. So I kind of do this until I get an opening. And I started talking to her a little bit, and I said, yeah, I was in a heavy metal band in Los Angeles, and one of the members of Black Sabbath was producing the band I was in. And she says, oh, that's so cool. And I said, yeah. And God brought me out, and he says, don't judge. I want to tell you, that is not judging. That is, that is, that is righteousness. You are not putting her in hell. You are not putting her down. You're just saying that is a dichotomy to have an open Bible and you're walking around with a Black Sabbath Ozzy Osbourne t-shirt. Our world is all goofed up. And the further you move away from God, the more goofed up your judgment is. Until you're offended by everything the church does. How you doing? I'm offended. Let's pray. I'm offended. God loves you. That offends me. Because they, in them, they're already judging themselves. They're so void of offense. They're so void of righteousness. Their conscience is screaming out. The Holy Ghost is screaming out. The devil is screaming on them. I'm going to tell you, if, if you know somebody that's a backslider, they're not, they're not, they're not the living the life out there. They're not, they're not enjoying their condition. The only way that you get your condition right is to get into this altar. I don't care what they've done. I don't, care, I don't care what they're doing. I don't care who they're doing it with. Get into an altar and get blood on it and find the peace of God. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Praise God. Praise God. So we need to talk about a few things here tonight because the spirit of offense is in the world. Not only is being offended a fact of life, but being a forgiver is a fact of life. So is being offended not a fact of life? Some of you are sitting here tonight offended. Maybe not at me. You, it depends on what I've done. You've got some stuff that you can pull out of the past and say, oh, yeah, the past offended me. Well, let me show you, even though being offended is a fact of life. And if you feel like, well, I've never been offended, just hang around a little while. You're going to get offended. But I am telling you here tonight that forgiveness had better be a principle of living in your life to balance that out. Forgiveness has got to be a fact of spiritual existence. Come on, somebody. I don't, 
I'm serious. Here's what happens when people start collecting the fences. They start moving further and further away from interaction with the body. Because any interaction with the body reactivates that offensiveness. If any man say he loves God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Why? Because you don't really love God. If you loved God, you'd love your brother. You'd forgive him. If you really love God, you'd understand that person. I need a relationship with them. I'm going to see them in heaven. I, want, I don't want anybody to be lost. I don't want anybody to be tormented. I don't want anybody. Come on, somebody. This is for everybody. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Let's glorify the Lord here tonight. Pastor, you don't know what they've done. Well, we don't know what you've done either. And just pray God don't show us. If any man say he hasn't sinned, the truth is not in him. Well, I'm glad I'm not a fornicator. I'm not an adulterer. I don't do this. Well, let's talk about what you have done. I don't do good with smug self-righteousness. I'll tell you what I really do good with. I I do good with people that understand the power of the blood. They understand grace. They understand forgiveness. They understand that what this really represents. And they and they I don't use, like to use the word lucky in church. Uh, I just say they they feel blessed that they're a part of the church of the living God, and they realize that there are principles that we have to personally articulate to to maintain this. This is not a once saved, always saved. I don't care what your last name is. This is a deal where we have to articulate individual personal principles so that we can stay right with God. Pastor Stanley, I, uh, I remember walking in and, and, and feeling a smug, almost a smug spirit, um, a self-righteous spirit, because some people think, okay, well, you know, I, my hair is right, my clothing is right. I know exactly how to do this. I know what to say. I know how to act. I know how to do. That's not even being a Christian. That's being obedient to the word of God. I'll tell you what a Christian is. It's love. It's forgiveness. It's grace. It's mercy. Somebody help me out tonight. I don't do all this stuff without that. I do all this stuff because I have that. moving in the church it's always going to be a part of it because anytime you get people together you're going to have I don't know if you can hear that wake up there's friction anytime you have people that are getting together and they're and they're and they're 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 getting together in a context like the church you're going to have friction See how brother so-and-so looked at me? No, I wasn't watching. Yeah, well, I was. Weren't you listening to the sermon? The pastor was awful good today. No, I was busy watching so-and-so. You know what you need to do is get in this altar and say, I'm going to put my eyes back on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my, we all need forgiveness. We're all, we're all pitiful at times and need the grace of God.
people to a mistake. If God did that to us, there'd be no hope. And you're going to see in a few moments that it's self-regulating. You have to take the first steps in order for God to do what you need him to do. I'm probably not going to be real long tonight. I only got 30 minutes left. But I could change my mind at any moment. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I have three things that I think are going to help us in this season of offendedness. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody under the sound of my voice is going to have a season where you become offended. And I am here to help you. I will be your, your guide. First of all, first principle that you need to understand. Everybody listening? The basis for me to forgive you is to completely comprehend that God has forgiven me. This is a fundamental foundational principle of Christian existence is to realize that he saved me. I was offensive to God. I had no hope. I could not help myself. And God has brought me out. That, as my foundation, means that I can forgive you. Now, if I forget that, God can help me to remember. Go to verse 13. Stop. Oh, you don't want to forgive? Let's find out how strong you are. And now we can be asking for forgiveness ourselves. See, I'd rather nip this thing in the butt as a pastor. I want to tell you, over the last 25 years, I have made a few phone calls. I have had several meetings where I really felt like I needed to apologize, and I was not afraid to do it. I'm not ashamed to do it. But I'll tell you what, after you do that several times, you realize, you know what, I, I need to work on some things. Now, some of you think, Pastor, you owe me an apology, and if I'm doing it in the course of my office, I may not owe you an apology. Sometimes 
you can think that the pastoral is an apology that is that is unrealistic. Like, Pastor, I don't think that you should have done that and made that call. Well, you're not, you, walk a mile in my shoes before you tell me what I should be doing. That's pretty weak, but that's the truth anyhow. And the fact that I'm up here because God put me up here, and you're out there because God put you out there, it means that you need to trust me. And if you don't trust me, you need to find a pastor you do trust. It's disingenuous for you to sit there. No, no. It's dishonest for you to sit in a church where you're thinking in your, in your heart, if you're thinking this way at all, I'm not accusing you of anything, whoever you are. But it's disingenuous to sit in church and say, I'm not in agreement with this man, and I'm not going to do the stuff he's preaching. Why even go to that church? You would be more genuine before God and honest with yourself to say, I'm going to find somebody that believes like I do. There's a million of, of them out there. But see, because God didn't send me here to listen to the people, God sent me here to listen to him. You would do well to follow somebody that was called of God, placed of God, and blessed of God. Well, I just don't believe all that stuff. See, I'm probably offending somebody right now. Then find somebody that you will trust. Well, Pastor, the reality is I don't trust anybody. Well, I understand that. Maybe we can work on that together and get you back to the place where you're whole. Because if you're deeply wounded, there's no place where you're going to feel like you're connecting. Because anytime somebody touches that wound, you're going to think they, you're going to be mad at them. Pastor, you touched the wound. I didn't mean to. I didn't even know the wound was there. But since you're not being made whole, anytime somebody starts to minister with strength or anointing or that it is strong, I didn't say ugly and I didn't say mean. I believe in being strong. But you would be healed if you would forgive. Let's lift our hands and just, this forgiveness thing is a basis of all Christianity. Anything else beyond this, if you don't have this right, let me, let me urge you to go back to the beginning and get this right. It'll all make a difference. Come on, let's love him. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. You know, I learned something a couple weeks ago. Now, they just gave me another bottle of water. Okay, I'm 64. I can only handle two of these before I got to cut the service short. Some of you are out there just saying, just keep bringing that dude some water. No, I'm putting the cap on it. Nice try. You're probably working for somebody out there, aren't you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, that offended me. Well, just get over it. Thank God. You ought, to be, you ought to be excited you're in a fun church. I've been in a prison before. This ain't no prison. God is moving in this people. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. God, God didn't send me here to put you down. God sent me here to bring you up. are never going to succeed. You're never going to move forward. Nobody, including the pastor, can move forward unless he accepts these basic elemental principles that I'm going to be offended 
that I've got to be a forgiver. And they balance each other out. And the first basis of me being a forgiver is that I'm forgiven. I repented of my sins. I was washed. My sins were washed away. And I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, God first fronts you forgiveness before you need to exercise forgiveness. So God did for you first. I'm trying to get through to some of you. Well, I love this church. I love what I feel. You don't understand. God fronted you forgiveness before you even had an opportunity to use your forgiveness. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Because God is in this forgiveness thing. It's, it's everything. Everything that hangs on this word of God in the New Testament is based on forgiveness. right down and you start combing through the weeds and you get right down to where it is, there's unforgiveness. And we are frozen. And we're trying to go on. We put the good face on. We look good among our brethren. And I love you. I, don't, I, I want you here. But it's not a question of just you being here. It's a question of us being what God wants us to be. That's the whole, that's the whole culture of the New Testament church. It's helping people become helping you achieve, helping you find God's call, God's anointing, God's power in your life. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. It's not just being a social security number, sitting out there in the pew. God has a plan for you. It's mighty. It's powerful. It's glorious. season of offense is that we have to have a basis for forgiveness and that is, is that God forgave me God forgave me Luke chapter 6 verse number 37 we've already looked at this but we're going to look at it through the eyes of the physician here which is Luke Dr. Luke judge not and ye shall not be judged Okay, why is this so hard for people to live by? Because if you don't get the forgiveness part, you're automatically judging other people. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. If you see somebody struggling, the best thing you can do is pray for them. This season of offense, it's attacking individuals, it's, talk, it's attacking the church, it's, it's regurgitating, and it's frothing, and it's fomenting in the world, and it's hitting everything and everybody. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. It all starts with forgiveness. I don't like, I don't like to just, I don't want to be prejudiced. Some people are so prejudiced. Oh, they just... Somebody, all it has to do is somebody come in, have their act together, be the same age as the person, have a nice car, a good education, and, and going somewhere in their life, and they're intimidated. And all of a sudden, here it comes. 
All it takes is for somebody to intimidate you. And all of a sudden, that old spirit that governs our entire nation, the spirit of competition. And now we don't like people. Not on, they're not horrible people. They're not evil. They're, in fact, they're godly. But we don't like them because of the way they make me feel. But they didn't do anything to make me feel this way. It's in me. I'm the one that needs to be fixed. I'm the one that needs to be delivered. I'm the one that needs to pray through. I'm the one. Is this, is, this is the truth tonight. And this should be preached in every Pentecostal church across the land. Because the spirit of competition and earthly human ambition is in many, many places, it's a, it's a, it's a overcompensation to compensation for our insecurities. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't have an excuse to be intimidated. No, you need a prayer life. You need to find out who you are in God. I'm okay. You're okay. Everybody's okay. Let's praise God. I'm glad I'm in this. I got the victory. God loves me. I'm never going to fail. I'm never going to fall. I'm not. I'm sorry this is so much the truth, but I didn't come here to build a fake church. I didn't come here to pet fake people. I came here to see people delivered by the power of the Almighty God. And if you let God deliver you, you'll have that stuff. You'll walk with anointing. You'll walk with power. And you'll help other people get delivered too. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Come on, let's really praise him. Come on, let's really praise him. Come on, you can be delivered. You gotta forgive. You gotta balance out your life with forgiveness. You can't let offensiveness win. The world is being taken over by the spirit of offended. They're bitter. They betray one another. They hate each other. Hatred is ruling the world. I am shocked how bad this world hates our president. My wife and I never said anything horrible about President Obama. And I was in disagreement with almost everything. But he was fulfilling the office of the president. think it's bad today you just wait another generation there's no respect and they have learned to get anybody out they don't like this is ruling our world but when they step into the house of God we ought to be blood bought we ought to be blood washed and we like you know what I don't deserve to be here but it's amazing grace that saved a wretch like me somebody shout and give God the praise for a minute let's just take a moment and let's remember the pit in which we were found. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes when pastor gets bold like that, he's not coming at you as an individual. This is, people don't understand that people can pack spirits around. It doesn't mean you're possessed. It means that your attitude has offered them a haven. And until you change your attitude, you're not going to get rid of those spirits. Come on, I thought I was in a Holy Ghost church. You got to cast down imaginations. You got to go to work. You got to go to war if you want to be free. There's some things worth fighting for. 
some lousy, backslidden. You, when the pastor gets up, when he gets strong like that, it's not he's coming at you as an individual. There's spirits that people pack around. And those spirits stand up and they go like this. Everybody do that to your neighbor. I'm just kidding. up in this church, you got this group out there, and uh, that's the spirit. My God, when the word of God of, of, of holy royalty is being preached, we ought to be fully attuned and attentive and realize it's the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to keep God's glory. And this church, this church has got it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, this church has got it. We're not perfect. We don't claim to be perfect. We're not everything we're going to be. But this church has got it. And the only way it's going to increase is for us to continue to bring principles in. And govern those secret areas of our life. God doesn't bless us because you show up and your hair's done. Pastor, isn't my hair nice? Yeah. Great. Do you like my shoes, Pastor? Yeah. I'm just glad your socks match and your shoes don't smell. If they do, I want to introduce you to Dr. Scholes. He's a friend of mine. Everything looks great. But that's not why God visits us. God visits us because there is a tipping point in every congregation where there has to be a majority that is living according to the principles that come across that pulpit. And when it reaches that, it tips on the side of God, and God says, I'm going where I'm welcome. And that's, this is why some of you that are in that middle ground, it's time to get on board. It's time, because the more we tip it, the more powerful it becomes, the more glorious it becomes. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. I want more God, not more world. I already had that. I've already had hate, bitterness. Guy turns around, oh, yeah, I'm your best friend. Stick a dagger in his back. If you got something nasty to say something to somebody, don't say it in this church. We'll wash your mouth out with the word of God. Had you fooled there for a minute, didn't I? I'm going to tell you what, I remember my grandparents saying, we're going to wash your mouth out with soap. I thought, what? I don't, what are you talking about? I'm going to tell you what. <clears throat> I never said shut up again. I never. Those were cuss words when I was a kid. I'm going to tell you what, when you start out spitting out chunks of lava soap, you're going to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, I ain't never doing that stuff again. I think we need to wash some people's mouth out tonight with the word of God and the spirit of God and say, I'm done with that. I'm, I'm done. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is a blessing to the hearers. And grieve not the spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. need to get rid of the offenses tonight. Your, your conscience is not going to let you off the hook 
until you just you just deal with it. All right. Principle number one, I can forgive you because I've been forgiven. Principle number two is dealing with offenses biblically. Go to Matthew chapter 18, verse number five. They're going to put it up on the screen for you. Before midnight. Just having fun. That's not Matthew 18.5. Okay. I'll have to go there manually. You know what? I owe you an apology. It all starts right here, ladies and gentlemen. I think I'll take a drink. Verse number 15, please. I'm humble now. Watch this. We're coming down the home stretch. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. When is the last time you ever heard anybody doing that? I'll tell you what usually happens. Mom, guess what happens? Hey, brother, you got five minutes? I sure got something juicy to tell you. And you're moving further and further and further from the perfect will of God. What we do, what I've seen over 25 years, is people get, they get their back up in the courtroom. Yeah, I got all, I got all my, my homies, you know, got me covered because you offended me. And you've been cut off from the blessings of God. I don't care what your name is, how much money you ain't got, how much money you got. God says, that is not what I said. I'm going to tell you why people don't do that. Because they don't want to have to forgive. People like every once in a while, they like, they're looking for a vent somewhere. Where that old nasty attitude can come out. It's been building up a while. I'm sorry I'm telling you the truth tonight, but you know this man is all over the there are people that do good for a while, but that it aligns where they're irritated, they're in that mood, and all of a sudden, bless God, I'm not forgiving anybody. And it becomes a pressure relief valve for ugliness. And God's nowhere around, and God is not pleased. Because you could care less about gaining your brother. try to block me out. I'm gonna, I can judge, I can accurately judge a person's level of spirituality by their level of vindictiveness or their level of retaliation. I'm going to tell you what, this is one place in this city where there should not be a mean spirit. When I see a mean spirit, 
I feel like getting my right foot ready and going, <clears throat> my God, that rules the world. That governs our culture. That governs the bar. It governs relationships. When people come out of here, they ought to say, you know what? I know you're not perfect. I know you made mistakes. But listen, I love you. Let's get it right. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. That means spirit is from hell. Thy brother shall trespass against thee. Go and tell him his fault. You know what? I'm missing something. And I think you took it. Who, me? Are you accusing me? Uh-huh. Well, I did. I took it. I'm sorry. Less than... The performance and the spirit of a Christian. I'll give it back to you. Please forgive me. I forgive you. End of story. That's God's way. Clap your hands and give him the praise. You don't go running to your kids. You don't go running to your parents. You don't go running for somebody that you could just, you could just go ahead and just talk, 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 talk. God's not, God's, God's nowhere around. Talk, talk, talk. Yeah, this is what they did. This is how they did it. This is what they done to me. This is how they said it. This is why you're not blessed. Your conscience is telling you you're doing things wrong. And what will happen is, what happens is, there's three dimensions of silencing the Spirit of God in your life. You can grieve the Spirit of God. I want to tell you, if the Holy Ghost starts moving on you that this is what you need to do, and you do it often enough saying, no, I'm going to do it my way, God just says, okay, I'm not even going to talk to you anymore. Just go ahead and do it your way. And then when you finally do pray through, when we get an evangelist here, or when you finally do wake up and start listening to the pastor, then you'll come to the altar, and you have that much more to work through because you allowed there to become a callousness, a deadening. Did you know that that is one of the truest symptoms of a leper? Is that you begin to numb the nerve endings. Man, be quick to forgive and keep it in a small circle. There are things that I know. Brother Darian, quit talking to her. I'm trying to preach to you. When the church is small, I get to do this stuff. I can't do it on Sunday because there's too many people. All right, now that you're listening to me, let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He was listening before, but I just, that was too perfect. I probably offended him. I'm sorry. But I only do that to people I love. I do not do that to people that are like. I think, oh, Jesus, you're going to have to help me on this one. Hallelujah. Be quick to forgive. When you need forgiveness, because you really made a major boo-boo, and you're saying, God, forgive me, God looks at, okay, well, 
did they uh, did they forgive so and so? Did they forgive? You know, we have ministering spirits that follow us around. They're recording everything. No, I'm afraid they still got that attitude and they didn't forgive them. God says, okay. Matthew chapter 18 talks about turning the tormentor loose. I don't have time to get into it. It's an incredible. It's at the tail end of where we started here in verse number 15. The whole reason why I should go to you by yourself. There's not a crowd. I'm not telling everybody what you're doing. It's because I love you. I want you to be restored. I want us to be restored. I want, I want, I want, I want connection. This is the problem with cliques and clans and families that they all come in and they all leave. They don't have any interaction. They're like, you, we're doing all our own stuff today. I mean, some of that's fine. It's, it's your family. But you got to understand, the church is higher than the family. Your earthly family, the church is higher than that, especially when you're a component of the church. It's like, man, we're all supposed to be together. You get all these little cliques and all these little pockets where he doesn't like him and she doesn't like her and these people way over here, they can't stand the people way over there. That's why they're sitting so far apart. Just trying to make a point. You know what? I am a click killer. When I, if, I, if I would have ever seen cliques in the church I got saved, I said, dude, this is the same spirit that's in the world. Why would I assassinate a brother's character? Why would, I, why would I put people down? Why would I think that people are trash and no good? That's in the world. It ought not be in the church of the living God. We ought to give people the benefit of the doubt. We ought to be encouragers. We ought to be prayer warriors. We ought to love one another fervently. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Coming down the home stretch. Somebody said, Praise God. According to the clock, I got one minute. I can almost guarantee I'm going to go over tonight. I hope you'll forgive me. Because this is really where I wanted to be. And you're saying, Oh, no, what took you so long? not that great of a preacher, but I, I tried. This is what I wanted to say right here. And I promise you, if you'll get this, we will we'll be done. Your spiritual maturity and development can be measured and gauged by your ability to manage being offended. Maturity and your development can be measured and gauged by your personal management of being offended. The ability, the God-given ability to carry offense when there is neither apology explanation, or a God-revealed reason directly reveals your maturity 
or your immaturity. It is the truest measurement of a person's spiritual character. Beyond standards, beyond what professions, confessions, because it's where, don't miss this, we defer all judgment to God. God, if they never apologize, I'm still going to forgive them. without retribution, retaliation, or revenge. Father, forgive them. It is the highest level of spirituality. They don't know what they're Five years ago, I wish I could go into details, but then it would violate everything I'm telling you today. My wife is the only other human being in this in this world that knows what I'm talking about right now. Twenty five years ago. We hadn't been in Spokane all that long. A couple months, three months, whatever it was. I will never forget this as long as I live. I got a phone call from a brother, a friend of mine that said that there is somebody that's saying really horrible things about you. It's 25 years ago. You probably never heard me talk about this because I've forgiven. This doesn't have any relevance. And da -da -da. But God took note of it in bucketfuls. And It was an individual that has, pardon me for saying this, and I'm not trying to be crude, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to fill in blanks without having to get specific. Had a big mouth. Didn't mind talking to it. A lot of people in a lot of places. And one of these people that caught wind of this was my friend. And so they were calling me to tell me what was being said. We had just started this church 25 years ago. And when I hung up the phone, I told my wife about this. She started crying. Went down into my prayer area 
And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Twenty-five years ago. I want you to hear this good and proper. God spoke to me and said, it can all be over right now. Don't even go to church. Don't even. It can be all over. Right then, right there, I forgave. And look at the evidence. I never got an apology. I never got an explanation. If you knew the individual I was talking about, you'd know why. They just, there, there, there's a whole generation that does not believe in apologizing. What they'll do is they'll start treating you nice, and that's their way of telling you it's okay now. But that does not meet God's expectation. I forgave. It didn't matter what they did because I didn't want it to be over. I wanted to be using God. God told me to come here. But God wanted to know. mean-spirited, small-minded kind of a preacher? Are you going to be able to take some bumps and some bruises and understand the grace and the glory of God? To this day, never got an apology, never got an explanation. The lies are still out there. You will never forget carrying that forgiveness with those open wounds where there's never an apology, never an explanation. Nobody ever called and made it right. You now have a choice. It's either all over right now or you're going to be like Jesus. Stand. Offense is ravaging our world. The spirit of offense surfaces in the body. Pride, arrogance, position, all kinds of human, carnal, fleshly deals become facilitators for a spirit of offense. But God has given us a way out where you can go up and not down. Let's lift our hands all over this building. God's dealing with some people tonight. You may never get your apology, but what are you going to do? You may never get your explanation, but are you going to let that cripple you? Or are you going to let that make you more Christ-like? Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. 
by his stripes we are healed. You know what? We need to go to another level here tonight. This altar is open. Come. Come. And become the forgiver that God has designed you to be. And go from faith to faith and victory to victory and glory to glory. Blessing to blessing. Anointing to anointing. Power to power. Triumph to triumph. Mountaintop to mountaintop. Cross to cross. Resurrection to resurrection. It's all in your hands. Let's find a place to pray tonight. In Jesus' name. All over this building.